What is up, Kangaroo Chasers, and welcome to another sneaky bonus episode to kick off the week. Uh, this is probably our last bonus for a little while, so we hope you've enjoyed the extra content, guys. And um, this one is one that many of you have been asking about and been looking forward to since we recorded. So it's my fireside Q&A with New York Rugby League boss, Ricky Wilby. Uh, we called out for your questions via our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Uh, so make sure you're following those for future episodes just like this so you can get involved. And I asked Ricky as many of your questions as I could possibly fit into an hour. And he was very honest and gave some great insights. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed this chat. Now, if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, and if you enjoy this one, you may also like a very similar style of episode recorded with Ottawa Aces boss and the Toronto Wolfpack founder, uh, Eric Perez. So check out episode 66, Hanging with the President, uh, in our archives. Another popular American Rugby League episode is episode 42, California Love, which includes discussions with players, coaches, and administrators involved with California Rugby League. Uh, and that episode is one of our top three all-time most listened to. So it's there for a reason. It's a good one. Um, or... You can also go all the way back to one of my many chats with Mr. Rugby League in America himself, Nate Gladden, and in particular, episode 33, an honest USA Rugby League discussion, which was one of my favorites with Nate, and we've recorded a few. Now, if you are a regular listener, then welcome back, and thanks as always for your support. Uh, we would love for you to be involved in an upcoming listener call-in episode, which Big T and I are recording soon. So think back to those old-school talkback radio call-in sort of style shows. We're going to bring that to podcast, and hopefully it works. We'll see how we go. But if you have a question or topics or anything you'd like to discuss with Big T and I on the podcast, slide into our DMs on your favorite social medium. And let us know you're interested. And um, we're going to try and get some prizes and things like that as well for our favorite questions. So, yeah, get involved if you're keen. Now, we'll be back later this week with our regular uh, midweek episodes. This one's going to be Kenyan Rugby League. So we'll have a couple of guests from the Kenyan Rugby League Federation, which is really interesting. Uh, and Big T will be back with me for some golden points. So don't miss that one. Uh, but now, on with the show with Ricky Wilby from New York Rugby League. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 74 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Alright guys, well I've been wanting to speak to this gentleman for a long, long time, so it's a pleasure to introduce you all to Chasing Kangaroos, the CEO and founder of the New York Rugby League, Mr. Ricky Wilby. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Mate, fantastic, mate. And uh, where in the world are you speaking to us from this evening? I'm in the UK, I'm in the UK at the moment, so it's just coming up to half past, half past 11 in the morning. Uh the sun's out. It's a blue sky, so, so yeah, I can't complain. Sun out, blue sky. What's what? How many? What degrees? Like, where are we up to? Oh, I reckon, the, the reckon today we might be pushing 27, 28. Oh, that's, so. that's a scorcher over there. Well, it's just, you can tell it's warm. Everyone's walking around with <laughs> on. Oh, I love it. It's the absolute opposite here in Sydney today, or it was today. It was probably about high of 16. Uh, the sun was out, but it wasn't oh, great. Oh, wow. Anyway, people don't listen to us for weather reports, but uh, they do want to know about exciting new rugby league teams all over the world, and New York is one of those that uh, people are very excited about. Um, a few weeks ago, I interviewed Eric Perez, and we had like a fire, I called it a fireside Q&A, where we just got asked uh, our listeners to send in their questions via social media, and I asked as many as I could. That went down a treat, and I'm going to do the same with you tonight, Ricky, so um, if you're ready, I'll start hitting you with questions. Yeah. Let's fire away. Let's do it, man. All right. So, uh, first of all, I thought this was a great way to start this question. It's from uh, Boo Vaudry. And Boo wants to know, how and when did the strategy start to bring Rugby League to New York? Uh, so, it started early 2017. Uh, and it just started, obviously, the Wolfpack came in that year. Uh, and there was just a few things. They don't, don't belong the Wolfpack. Great things and... 
and made massive strides in North America and, and Canada. But yeah. there was just a couple of things that probably just didn't sit right with us. Uh, and me and the people I was talking to at the time, uh, one of those things was was potentially being based in the UK uh, and, and then travelling to Toronto to play their home games. Yeah. Uh, so we we tried to look at a model uh, of how we could potentially be based in the States and then travel over to the UK to play away games. Yep. Uh, and that would then enable us to roll out a development programme and a community programme and, and, and service our sponsors. So if you've got a, a company paying a couple hundred thousand bucks into a, into a sponsorship and they've got an event coming up, they want to be able to have show off some of their players and some of their assets some of our assets uh, and if we're in the UK we're not able to do that yeah. so uh, so there were just a few, few things that we wanted to try and iron out I suppose uh, the Wolfpack was always going to be a case study not just for us but for, for Ottawa for everyone else who we're looking at coming in so yeah, so, yeah so we and, and the Wolfpack have been great with us they invited us up last year and uh, we went up and and, and took in a game and, and picked their brains and, and spoke to David and, and the team. So that sounds yeah, right. No, it was, yeah, it was good. They were really good. Uh, so yeah, it's excited there. Back then in, in 2017. It's almost unfair because you you must get asked this a lot, and Eric Perez would get asked a lot, and the the Valencia guys and the and the Red Star guys they all would get asked. You know, what would you do that? Or what would you do based on Toronto Wolfpack's mistakes? And it's almost unfair because the Wolfpack they really led the way. So to be, to be using them as a guinea pig, you know, they've done such a great job. And I think uh, yeah, it's almost unfair for me to ask that question, but. It does lead me to the next one, and it's Brian Rogerson wants to know what what have you seen from the Wolfpack or the Aces even that you have liked and will take on board. Uh, I think I think Eric's really good, and he's just he's just he's great when someone puts a microphone in front of him, and he can probably sell ice to the Eskimos. Definitely, and, and, and he's just one of those people. So I think the, I think the whole Wolfpack experience, game day experiences. Outstanding. I spent a lot of time working with the Catalan Dragons, and and I thought that experience was was out of this world. But the Wolfpack experience just takes it to another level. Uh, so just as a game day experience, you've got a beer garden, you've got all the fans walking. I mean, they've, they've got the, the walk from the from the fans bar to the stadium. They're banging the drum. They're so passionate and, and really get behind the team. And I suppose it's something that. Canadian teams do, or the Toronto teams in, in like the NHL and the, yep. the baseball and uh, and basketball they don't they don't really get that but they, they seem to have really bought into to the tribalism of rugby league uh, but they're really really welcoming as well to to away fans so yeah I just thought, I just think the game day experience is just outstanding uh, and obviously being a, a North American sport I suppose the the marketing that they've they've gone to town on it's just like unheard of in, in, in British ball. It's just take, it's just taking everything to another level. Do you I suppose that's 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 then raised the game of yep. other teams in in the sport. Do you think that that sort of game day experience can be replicated or is it is there bits and pieces that are so unique to Toronto that you'd kinda need to create your own New York version of that? Yeah, I mean the stadium lend, really lends itself to it. Uh so if we were going to do that, we'd have to try and find a similar stadium and then try to find a stadium with, with this rectangular in a city that has very little free space and very little stadiums uh, and facilities, sporting facilities like that. I think you've seen uh, a soccer club, New York, uh, New York City FC. Yep. All the money in the world behind them and they're still struggling to find a facility to play at. Uh, so, so yeah, it's slightly different for us in terms of trying to find the facility that we can work at. But we just thought we hit on 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 Red Bull, and we just thought Red Bull was probably the best solution for us if if we were going to look to not just play in League One, but obviously try and progress yeah. our way up to to Super League and and whatnot. So Red Bull's locked in. What's the capacity there, and what sort of crowds would you be expecting at Red Bull? So they've got 25,000 uh, at the minute, uh, which is, and it was built in, in like a European soccer style stadium. So yeah. it's, it's very similar to the Hull, it's very similar to Wigan, uh, Huddersfield. So it's that sort of style stadium. Uh, 
if we could replicate what the Wolfpack get, uh, got in their first season, I think we've done our job pretty well. Yep. Uh, obviously, we've got internal targets that we want to hit, and, and obviously our first launch, we want to we launch with a bit of a bang. Uh, so we'd we'd try and sell as many tickets as possible. But yeah, that's that's probably where, where we're aiming, if we're being realistic. Beautiful, man. Uh, Stuart McLennan wants to know, he says, obviously, expats will be an important uh, part of the initial supporter base, but how do you plan on engaging the wider community in New York? So that falls back onto a couple of issues. So one is our development program. So the idea is to have four full-time development officers on the ground right. from the day dot yep. uh, going into school. So we're working really closely with the city of Elizabeth, which is just over the water in New Jersey. Uh, it's about 10, 15 minute drive from the stadium. So it's really close. So we're working really closely with them to put development officers on the ground in schools in that area. Uh, we're also working really closely with the town of Newark and the town of Harrison because they border the stadium. So the idea is, is that we'd have development officers going into schools arguably close to 12 months ahead of our first well, competitive league game, yep. building our brand, building our availability. The thing that they love is that we've built that into our marketing costs. So we'd be going in free of charge and delivering rugby sessions, sports sessions, all working around our community program. Uh, and they don't they just don't have uh, people doing that in, in the US. As soon as, as soon as we started talking to, to the towns and, and the mayors, they were like, well, how much is this going to cost us? Yeah. Not, it's not going to cost you anything. We, we just do everything. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they're really behind it. And, and that, we think that's, that's the first part. And then obviously we've got, Awesome, man. Your your ans- bits and pieces of your answers are answering other questions as well, which is great. So we might expand on those as we go. But so a, yeah. a, a lot of people asked about development. So they did ask about school development programs and things like that. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into that bit, actually. Do you see yeah. that as being coming in and introducing the kids to, to rugby league, giving them a football? Um, and or, or do you see it more as being able to start junior rugby league sort of competitions and programs that sort of lead into, you know, a, a development pathway uh, in the, in the yeah. you know, decades to come? It's got to, lead, it's got to lead somewhere. It's got to have tangible benefits. There's no point in just going and saying, here's a rugby ball, kids, go and play around with it for, for an hour. And, yep. and that's it. It's got to have some tangible benefits and some longer-term benefits. So if, for example, little Billy was, was at the local school, Comes along, they want to. They want to go to a. They want to come to a game. We might be mum, dad, brother, auntie, uncle. Uh, there's got to be some 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 payoff longer term. Yep. Uh, in terms of so that's that, that's our that's our longer term vision is to get those people that we're or those students that we're engaging with, those kids we're engaging with, to not only come to a game but also to start playing outside of. School. So the idea is with those four, those four development officers, will be going into schools. It's, it's all been strategized, but the idea is that we all go into, they, or they would all go into a, into an area yep. for a six-week block, and then at the end of that six-week block, because all the schools are all of, all the same area, they actually the kids have been taught actually going to a mini tournament between themselves. Beautiful. At the back end of that, so. They actually get that competitive edge of playing, and, and obviously, depending on what age it's going to be, it's going to be flag football, it's going to be tactical field, yep. whatever it's going to be. Uh, but they all go into a tournament on a weekend, a festival of rugby held on a weekend, uh, probably out where we're going to be training at one of the local universities, and then we can then encourage those. Those parents who come to watch, those brothers, sisters, students who are playing, 
to engage with the team and engage with the club. Great. Uh, and, that, and that for us, if we can get kids playing at a young age, then it then progresses further down the line. And you might get a kid start playing at six years old and, and obviously it's not going to be. I mean, in 10 years' time, they might be coming for tryouts to play at the first grade, they might play reserve grade for us, they might play junior rugby with a bit of luck with our junior set up as well by that in, in, that, in that sort of time frame so they'll be coming through a system then that then enables us to grow our own talent I think um, a lot of our listeners would love to hear that um, and just the prospect of seeing American born athletes who have been playing rugby league from the age of six like you said there by the time they get to adult age like it, that yeah that's just phenomenal it could be quite amazing so uh, it's good to see that the hard yards uh, or the plan is for the hard yards to go in from that age and early on as well those development officers you mentioned have they have you have you chosen those those people yet and the only reason i ask is a lot of people asked us if you, if they could have a job like that was the question they wanted to ask so i don't th- i don't think you're going to have a problem with uh, with finding those yeah. four <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of them, uh, in fairness, the guys, we've, we've probably filled two of those roles as it stands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you get CVs through on a weekly basis, people wanting jobs and, and wanting to get involved. So once everything's ready to go, once everything's ready to be rolled out, yeah. we'll, be advertising, we'll be advertising jobs on that social media platforms, on the website. I reckon um, our, yeah. mu- our mutual friend Nate Gladden must be giving you his CV every week. I think on a, on a weekly basis, he must send, <laughs> send us a text. Or, no, he's a great guy. He really he's is. A and a shout out to Nate. I had to get his name in this interview, otherwise uh, yeah. he would have he would have had had a talk to me afterwards. So, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, he, he, he even volunteered to be head cheerleader. I think at one stage. Well, there might be a question coming up from him similar to that, so we'll see right, if we get okay. to it. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah. But um, BK wants to know, and, and this leads on from that sort of development pathway, but what are the plans? And a lot of people want to know questions like this as well, but w- what are the plans for recruiting maybe college footballers who, or NFL players, sorry, uh, gridiron players who don't make it to the NFL? Yeah, so there's, uh, we've, 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 we've always said we'd love to try and have some week-long tryouts and some week-long combines for for players to come and try out. And yep. if you're being realistic, the, the majority of rugby league at the minute is played up, up, up the eastern seaboard. Obviously, there's some great work being done in California now. Yep. And there's some genuine athletes, rugby rugby talent down in Utah. So we'd be foolish to ignore those as well. So. The idea is, is that the week-long combines, we probably look to host over the 12 months leading into our first season, yep. probably look to host maybe five to six. Uh, now, those combines would be held over on, one over on the West Coast, for sure, but then you probably look Florida, Atlanta, New York area, and then maybe Jamaica. Yeah, well. Uh, I've, been to, I've been talking to Romeo yep. uh, over, over at Jamaican uh, League. So Jamaica and then potentially the UK to see if there's any talent that's, that's not being snapped up already uh, to see what there is there. The only problem if we came to Australia would be that they, if those players uh, weren't quite at that top level but needed a bit of time to... To, to play the game and, and, and develop their skills is that we, they'd still count on our overseas quarter. Gotcha. Yep. As we're playing in the UK camp. Uh, so that's just what we've got to be really careful of. So that's why we're probably looking maybe UK or France. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the idea is that we can build those week-long combines into... Uh, and the idea behind a week-long combine is that you're not just seeing someone on, on for one day. Yep. Everyone can, have a, everyone can have a bad day. We all have bad days. Uh, so the idea is, is that those those athletes get the chance to show how good they are, to show that they've got a level of, of quality, and they show they've got a little bit of potential. And it gives the coaching staff a bit of chance. Again, coaching staff might be having a bad day. Yeah. So it gives them an opportunity. And then at the end of that week-long combine, and after they've done all the skills tests and fitness tests and, and, and whatever else, at the end of that, they go into some game situations as well, so they're playing against each other. So you actually see how they compete in a com- in a in a in a combat game, in a in a, in a competitive game. 
And, and you know, Americans love that. Yeah. They, yeah. they want to show how good they are. They want to show how tough they are. They want to show how brave they are. So... So yeah, that's, that's, that's the theory behind the combines. There's plenty of Americans playing the game over there that would jump at this opportunity. Is it safe to say that, you know, you're going to have a number of Americans in this team at, at, at the early stages, like going into League One and so on? I would, I would say so. I'd be really disappointed if we didn't have a decent-sized percentage of, of players in our, in our squad that, that weren't American. Uh and it would take an awful lot of bad days, I think, for, for people not to get selected. Uh, I would I would suggest that if you've got a squad of 25, you're probably looking at probably four of those being uh, American. Yep. And then after the five behind them playing with Brooklyn or playing in the US camp that we're keeping an eye on or... Uh, have an eye on to see, look, if there's an opportunity, we want you to come in and, and take us, take an opportunity to come and play with us. Ricky, you're answering all my questions before I ask them. Ben Howard wanted to know Sorry. Ben Howard wanted to know what your relationship was with the USARL and if you have plans to work together on uh, mutually beneficial projects. So you've co- you kind of answered that by mentioning um, f- five or so players playing for the Brooklyn Kings and so on. But but l- d- let's dig deeper into that relationship. What What's... Uh, how are you working together and, and what else are you guys doing um, to sort of get things growing on the ground? I think, uh, well, at the very beginning, uh, the guys at the USA Rugby League, the board members at the USA Rugby League, so Danny Hansen, he wrote us a letter of, a letter of support uh, that, that went into our business plans to the RFL. So, yeah. so that was really positive and Danny's doing some great jobs with, with the USA Rugby League and, and, and get, keeping everyone in in check with the yep. with the local local comp. Uh, we were working really closely with the New York Knights, uh, but obviously they they took they took the decision to uh, to take a few years out to see where they where their future lied. Uh, and then I've got talking really well over the last few months with the guys at Brooklyn. Uh, so the idea is is that we will really support them next year. Okay. Uh, Maybe give them uh, a playing kit from our kit suppliers. We'll work really closely with them in terms of maybe potential players who could come over and play for them, and, and, and potential players that we'd like to keep an eye on to see if they if they can do, grow and develop. Uh, but we're gonna we want to develop that partnership. We want to work really closely with the guys in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, they're doing some great work. They're, they're a great season last year. Uh, and uh, and yeah, we we met them at the grand final last year and had a, had a couple of good chats with them since. Um, that sounds great to me. Brooklyn have been uh, my USARL team since they started, so I'm very happy to hear that <laughs> they are your pretty much your feeder team over there. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. What else have we got? Shrama Rugby League recruitment wanted to know if players will be filtered down. You've answered that, so that's awesome. You're reading my mind, Ricky. You're reading my mind. Um, Tui Tui Gamala eleven. Um, this is a really good question, and he says, it's interesting to see that you launched the franchise in Liverpool. So what was the thinking behind doing it this way instead of launching it over in, in New York? So the plan was, before the beauty of the COVID, COVID-19 crisis hit, the, the plan was to launch in Liverpool with a British-UK rugby league press there. Yep. Uh, and that was on the 10th of March, and then the, that was a Tuesday, and then the following Monday, the plan was at Red Bull Arena to have the Challenge Cup draw for the next round of the Challenge Cup, uh, which is when all the big teams were due to come in, so it's St. Helen, to Leeds, everyone else, and we were going to launch to the US press on Monday the 16th, uh, and then slowly but surely before we were due to fly out the the horse got pulled out because BBC said no, it's it's not safe for you to fly. Yeah. Uh, the RFL then once we lost the horse, it was like, do we do we do we still run with the Challenge Cup? Do we draw? And do we want to have it in the UK? Is it a safer bet? Are we going to be able to get home? Uh, and then over the weekend, the Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump decided to to put a travel man on on the UK flying, he'd already put a European travel ban, but then 
uh, he put a, a ban on UK and Ireland travelling to the States as well. So as it happened, we would have had to have, if we were going to have it, we were going to have to rush through the draw and then race to the airport to get the last flight out of JFK to get back to the UK before the travel ban kicked in at midnight. Uh, so in the end, it, it ended up being a real rush job and we didn't, uh, I think Red Bull's put sent out an email saying, well, you know, we've been able to have the Red Bull Arena now because we're, we're not on anyone coming in. Yeah. Uh, so it just transpired against us that we weren't able to have the the challenge cut on the launch in the US the following week. So the idea was we were going to launch in Liverpool and then launch in the States. But on the back of that, uh, unfortunately, we just didn't have the second, we just didn't get around to having the second, the second wave. Uh, but they were circumstances out of our control. But the point is that once everything's back up and running, then when we stay in touch with all the media outlets and, yep. and everything else, so we we have got a plan in place to launch again in Great. the US. It's just a case of when we're able to do that and when we're able to get back to the States. Is there, is there much traction with the press over there? Like, would there be a paragraph in the New York Times or something like that from time to time? Yeah, so there's one chief sports writer from the New York Times who's a London Broncos fan. That's good. Useful. And there's one chief uh, editorial writer from the Wall Street Journal who's a Leeds Rhinos fan. He's from Leeds originally. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there's there's a, there's a little bit of traction. ESPN obviously show uh, a lot of rugby union at the moment. But, yep. but they're potentially potential partners for us to to show. Uh, rugby league games further down the line. Obviously, Fox Sport have been have been lapping up the NRL uh, in recent weeks and showing live NRL. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of traction for us already, and I think obviously the fact that the NRL was one of the first sports to go to go back behind closed doors was was a real plus for us because we've had more people than ever reaching out to us saying, "Oh, yeah, we want to get involved. We want to we want to work with you. We want to come what." when it's when it's up and running and, and whatnot. So so yeah, uh, so there is a lot of track there is quite a bit of traction when it comes to uh, professional uh, when it comes to rugby league over there in, in the media. It's just that everything at the minute is just a few more far between in terms of stories. Okay, so and Paul Mack wanted to know the has the broadcast still been done? I'm guessing by that it hasn't yet, but you're having plenty of good conversations. Yeah, so we've we've obviously had good conversations, and then there's a conversation to be had: is 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 that the right way to go, or is producing it ourselves and streaming it on our on our platforms on our on our website is that the right way to go? Yeah. So there's a number of, number of discussions, and, and I suppose that's what COVID allowed us to do: is is just sit back and and, and take stock of where we are, what we're doing, uh, and and then we can start to plan and and put things in place. So. Is there going to be a TV contract in 10 years' time for, for sport? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, the way that we consume sport is is a whole is different compared to five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe putting it behind, maybe putting it on a streaming service on our website might be the way to go because then we can sell the advertising to that. You know what I mean? We retain the rights to it. Uh, the RFL have obviously got their platform, yeah. the Liga. Uh, so there's there's those platforms as well that we can talk to and, and, and discuss. So no, there's no deal being done yet. There's been discussions, uh, and there's further discussions for us to have internally and externally to see to see where we go. Has there been any thought about us Aussies? Because um, there's a lot of interest over here, believe it or not. And there's a stage where every other week. Um, there would be an article in, say, the Daily Telegraph or the Sydney Morning Herald about players that were, you know, potentially going to sign with the New York club. And a lot of it might have oh, been fake news. But The Bulldog. The, bu- the Bulldog, that's right. Man, <laughs> 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 good guy, thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, there is a lot of interest. So, again, do we... Do we in those discussions with, with Fox Sports over in the States, do we include that as part of Fox League? Talks? Do we do we look to to see where that is, or if we're if we're showing a, a game in on our on our own platform, it makes it available for all fans yeah. globally. Yeah, uh, and, and we can create a global membership and a global login that, that anyone can access 
the stream or, or whatnot. And, and obviously there's, I mean, there's YouTube, there's Netflix, there's, and there's Amazon. All these con- all these content providers are, are crying out for content. So there's, there's definitely discussions to be had further down the line. It sounds like there's a lot of options and you're probably going to get a lot of options for players. You know, we spoke about people knocking down your doors to work for the club. There'd probably be a queue of players ready to go. And like I said, over here in Australia, there was a stage where every other week Dean Ritchie was writing about Benji Marshall or the Morris Twins or Cameron Smith or Sam Burgess or guys like that, you know, potentially um, wearing a New York Rugby League jersey in the years to come. And Daniel Watson, Hayes, and a number of fans actually asked this question. They wanted to know which players uh, you might be targeting of a calibre at that sort of NRL level, if if you are at the early stages? Uh, I mean, all those players you've listed would be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we've got, a, we've got a budget that we've, we've got to stick to, that we've got in place, and, and obviously with the investment team that, that we've, we've worked out together. Uh, but it'd be foolish of me to go out and recruit 25 players and, and then say to the coach, look, there you go. Uh, off you go because if he doesn't get us promoted and I'm questioning him you can just throw it straight back and you say well you gave me those players I didn't, I didn't want them uh, so the coach will have free reign of the, of the players and obviously there's a budget in place but they'll be his players he'll see them he'll want, he'll want to work with them and obviously we'll, we'll there'll be a few pointers and a few guidelines to say look we need some Americans in our team we need some yeah. if they're good enough they need to be playing uh, we need to be able to blood those those American players. But yeah. Other than that, the coach would have free would have pretty much a free reign to to sign the players that he needs. It's funny when I asked Eric Perez a similar question about the Ottawa Aces, he said it's going to be up to the coach. Um, so you've said the same thing here, and it leads me to a question from Phil Brown. And he wants to know any updates on a head coach. <laughs> That's probably the most asked question I get in a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've made a decision and, and there's been rumours about who, who that's going to be uh, going, going around and, and whatnot, but I can't announce them yet. Uh, I'd love to give you an exclusive and say yes. Yeah, I'd love it as bulldog. well, Ricky, but it's okay. The bulldog would be fuming. <laughs> I don't want to take the exclusive uh, away from, from Richie's <laughs> bulldog. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, yeah we, we know who it's going to be and, 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 and he knows who it's going to be. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just keeping that. We're just keeping a lid on it for the time. Okay, but it's a name that our listeners will be aware of. I would think most people should know who they are, yeah. Okay, Wayne Bennett. No, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to guess. But um, Phil, Phil Brown, there you go. You've asked a very ununique question there. It sounds like everyone's been asking. So, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, this is a question that you probably get a lot as well, and you probably won't be able to answer as well because I haven't heard you answer it before. But Cos Akoya, along with a whole bunch of others, they want to know how this thing's getting financed. So who, who's the, where's the money coming from to back this venture? So it's obviously it's all private private investment and private investors. Yeah, uh, we've got a number of different investment uh, people involved in the consortium. I suppose is is the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, one of those is is heavily involved in rugby already in the states. He's a, a very successful businessman. Uh, one's a, a successful business. A successful businessman out of, out of Australia as well, but, yeah. but the guy in the states has uh, has been involved in the MLR with, oh, well. with rugby union over there, so so has a has a good knowledge of uh, of what's going on, uh, and he's over there at the minute, obviously securing further investment and and, and further further sponsors and, and the bonus is he's on the ground over there at the minute, so great. Uh, he can he can get to work. So even though I'm not over there at the minute, he can be on the ground working behind the scenes. Fantastic. And um, so I can't give a name, but I suppose I can give you a little bit of an insight into their background. No, you know that's and that's fair. You know, I'm glad you can you can at least do that. And I'm sure we're gonna we'll find out more as things go along. Um, Sam Mercer wants to know when will the official name be announced. So I'm assuming it's not going to be New York City Rugby League. There'll be a mascot or something. Yeah, it'll be something. We've had so many ideas, but then everyone has to get knocked back. You, everyone said the Eagles, and then you don't want to, because everyone associates America with Eagles, yep. and then you don't want to annoy the New York Giants fans because they're rivals of the Philadelphia Eagles down yep. the road. Yep. Uh, 
people were saying the Bulls, but then you've got Chicago and New York. And it's like, that. wow. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. So we're thinking, we're trying to think outside the box a little bit, like what the Wolfpack did. Obviously, they were, they were on the Wolf line. Uh, and I really like that branding, that they, that togetherness of a Wolfpack. Yep. Uh, they did it really, really well. Uh, so that's for arguably someone far more intelligent than me uh, to come up with those, to come up with that branding and, and that that name that, that we're going to put out. In fairness, we've always said we were going to look to try and get three or four names and yep. put that out to a public vote so people have some sort of ownership on the team. Yep. Uh, the, the further we get down the line, the more it's like it's really hard to... To, to nail down a name that everyone's happy with and that, that everyone can work with. Uh, yeah, we're, we're working hard behind the scenes to try and find something, but there's nothing that we're, we're completely set on at the minute. It's going to be hard to come I'm up open, with, I guess. I'm open to, I'm open to suggestions, though. Well, we'll let uh, we'll get get our listeners to maybe send in some suggestions, and we'll we'll come back yeah. for another, another episode. But I'm assuming the colours will remain, you know, the blue and orange, and all that sort of yeah. thing will remain the same. Uh, yeah, I think if, if we're going to play at Red Bulls, they are really keen for us to have a home kit of white, uh, so that replicates their their branding. Yep. Uh, so we'd probably look to playing white as as a home jersey, but then have the blue and orange as as an away jersey and and a third jersey. Mm, great. Um, and your current training kits, I'll just quickly shout out uh, mascordbrowns.com and mascordbrowns.com.au. You've got, they've got some good New York Rugby League gear over there. So, uh, and using our discount code 2020vision, you can get 10% off uh, exclusive for our listeners. So that's awesome as well. And I'm sure you'll be able to buy those jerseys eventually, Ricky, on Mascord Browns. Am I right? <laughs> it depends what the offer is. <laughs> All right, Steve and Phil, you've heard you've heard it here. Yeah, Ricky's going to put the squeeze on you guys. Um, yeah, uh, but, the, but the guys, the guys down at VX3 have done a great job of of, of, the, of that training range so far. Uh, we've got another couple of items. I'm waiting on a on an email actually today. Waiting on an email. We've got a, the training shirt was the biggest selling jersey on their website. I think up until the lockdown happened. Well, wow. went into furlough. Yep. Uh, so that was really big. Uh, and then uh, it's continued to continue to sell in, in real fast numbers since. Yep. Uh, they sold out of certain sizes, I think, at, at one point. So they had to get some more put into into production. So I think they're back online now. Uh, but yeah, the the training jersey with the Hilton at Newark Airport was was a real was a real popular seller. Uh, but I'm hoping that the next one uh, or the next couple are going to be equally as popular. Fantastic, mate. Um, Tui Gamala Eleven. I think this is their second question, actually. But uh, they want to know, yeah. or he or she wants to know. Where will you position yourself in terms of ticket pricing? Because I guess it's a hard market over there. If you go too high, no one's going to really, no one really knows what it is yet, so they're not going to buy. But if you go too low, you might get overlooked. Absolutely. Uh, I think you can go to, you can go watch the Mets or the Yankees for as little as 15, 20 bucks. Yep. Uh, way up in the gods, and you can't even make out the ball when you're when you're watching it. But yeah, you can you can go out, you can go and watch for fifteen twenty bucks. Uh, you can also go up there six seven thousand bucks to go watch the Giants or, yeah. or the Jets. So uh, so yeah, so we we we've averaged our ticket pricing based on a on a thirty dollar uh, ticket price. So as an average cost, so you'll get I think our entry point will be close to ten dollars. Oh well, wow. and they'll go, and then you'll get some some hospitality packages that that, that aren't as expensive as, as the New York Giants. Uh, but but yeah, the idea is is that we want to we want to give value for money, and that's that's been our, our premise all along, uh, and that's how we've built our, our ticket pricing. So we, I think it's it's very close to ten dollars our entry point, but the average ticket price across the ball across the stadium should be around thirty dollars. So let me just do my math. So thirty dollars US uh, return flights, accommodation, food. It's going to cost me probably about five to ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. We might have a flight partner who might be able to help you out. That would be nice. That's what I'm getting there at. That's, that's awesome. There Fantastic. We go. You get your, you get your press ticket anyway. You'll be all right. Well, you know, you know, wink, 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 nudge, nudge. As there long as Big go. T can come with me, I think you'll yeah. it'll be fine. I need 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 a friend. <laughs> um, Ricky, the real flea wants to know. 
how hopeful are you of getting the go-ahead for 2022? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we, we'll be ready for 2022. Uh, I think that we will... We've Throughout the COVID crisis, we've stayed in contact with the guys at the RFL. Uh, so, and and they know where we, where we are and what we're trying to do. Uh, and they also know that we, we have deadlines that we need to hit uh, from our end. So we've asked them for some kind of confirmation that we can take to sponsors, investors, uh, and, and whatnot. So we can we can get all that across the line, uh, and then we can start designing shirts with sponsors on. We can start doing all the all the fancy stuff that that, that people see. Uh, but we need that we need that letter from the RFL to yep. to be able to launch that. Uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, that we can get that over the next couple of, uh, uh, hopefully we can get that going over the next couple of days. Uh, oh, wow. And then that's and that's all signed. But subject to a successful and an agreed participation agreement between us and the Arab, I'm I'm very confident that we'd be in in the league for for 2022. Sensational! I better get this episode out asap then. Um, what was it disappointing not getting the the nod for twenty twenty one? Or in hindsight, do you think yeah you did need a little bit more time? Uh, yeah, initially it was it was disappointing. Uh, that being said, uh, there's definitely something that we can that, that we can take benefit from, and, and obviously it would be coming next year. I mean, fair play to, to Eric and Ottawa for. Going in next year with the global pandemic that's been going on, with the financial crisis that's that's hitting people and, and affecting people, we would have been really up against it. I think the stadium might looking at opening up to fans until maybe February next year, March next year. Yeah. Uh, so we would have been really up against it to have game, league games, regular league games, same stone. People travelling from from all over the world to, to come and watch our games, and then being able to have to turn out to them and say, "Look, we we just can't accommodate because we can't get people into the stadium." We can't. Uh, so, so with hindsight, looking back now, it was it was, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Uh, at the time, we were initially disappointed, but then it did give us that chance to to work towards. 2022 and, and make sure that everything is you get one chance to launch in New York and if you don't do it right then uh, then you don't get a second chance really uh, so we want to we make sure that we've done everything right You're right, it might have been a blessing in disguise and, and play the ball rugby league asked a really good question he wanted to know how the coronavirus has affected you guys and it sounds like for the, for the time being it's actually sort of made the wait to 2022 you know, reasonable, but has it affected you in any other ways, you know, financially or has it stopped planning in some way or how's it affected no, you guys? Not so much not so much financially because it saved me having to fly back and forward to the States. <laughs> yep. uh, so, yeah, so financially probably not not so much. Uh, it's, it's allowed us and the, and the exec team to, to just sit back a little bit and, and work out where we are and who we are and what we're doing and make sure we're doing everything for the right reasons yep. uh, and not just pushing ahead just to be stubborn and, and make sure that we're doing it and make sure we're doing things to the best of our ability. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm confident that it's helped us in, in that aspect. Uh, it's certainly given us a new way of, uh, probably not just us, but the people worldwide, a new way of working. So yep. Zoom calls... Teams calls, FaceTime calls, WhatsApp, emails, everyone's doing things a little bit differently and everyone's operating a little bit differently. And, yeah. and arguably, arguably a little bit smarter now yeah. than, than what it was. Uh, so, yeah, so there's, there's, it has affected us, uh, but not as significantly as we, we would have first anticipated when, when if someone would have said, look, there's a pandemic going to be locked down for 12 weeks, 13 weeks. Yeah. It, it it would have been scary. I guess it was for all businesses all over the world. You know who who even the NRL were asking. Yeah. You know what a sponsorship's going to look like. What a TV deal's going to look like at the end of all this. And as it turns out, you know 
things are going back to okay. And um, we're not saying we're out of the woods yet, but it's good to see things going back to normal slowly. Um, Liam wants to know, what's your ETA on arriving to Super League? Do you, Are you seeing it as a wham-bam 2022 League One, 2023 Championship, 2024 Super League? Or do you think it'll be a little bit of a slower progression? That would be lovely if we could go bang, bang, bang. Uh, but I'm not naive enough to think that's how it's going to happen and that's how it's going to work. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously we're hopeful, but without showing disrespect to the teams that are already in there and in the comp, then then we uh, we can't make those decisions. Uh, it's all down to the 13, 17 players on the field. Uh, and if if we've done our job right off the field, and if the coaches have done their right, their jobs right, and players do their jobs right, then then we're then we'll be in a good position to to go promotion for promotion. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there'll be another twelve teams in in League One and another fourteen teams in in Championship who will will have their will be doing their best to try and stop us from from getting promoted and and want us to to stay down in Championship. Just like I suppose we'll just like what happened with the Wolfpack. Uh, if we do all, all our jobs right, then then we hope that we can we can get promotion, promotion being Super League as quickly as possible. You know, it's funny though. I believe that that the year that the Wolfpack missed out on promotion, I think that really made the fans crave and support their team even more. So you never know. Sometimes a little bit of adversity can be a good thing. So you know, hopefully you can go bang, bang, bang. But if not, I'm sure that'll be okay as well. Um, yeah. Ewelee's uh, ride. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, but they want to know why do you think Ottawa was given the go-ahead for League One before you guys? <laughs> there's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, a very political answer that you're probably about to get, yeah. uh, uh, which is you probably have to ask the RFL that question. Uh, but yeah, obviously they 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 purchased the. The Hemel license, and I'm guessing that went some way to swing, swing the, the RFL to, to put them in. Uh, I think everyone has to remember a little bit that Ottawa were due to come in like this year yep. instead of next year. Yep. So the idea was that we were going to we were going to Ottawa were going to come in in 2020 and we were going to come in in 21. Uh, so Ottawa being pushed back to 21 just in turn pushed us back to. Just pushed us back to uh, twenty-two. Yeah, uh, that's probably the most political answer I can give you. Fair enough. Beefy Towers wants to know. Um, we've heard about your plans for Challenge Cup entry next year, and and friendly games that are lined up, and things like that. We've heard the mention of Aussie teams, uh, NRL teams coming across to play New York. Can you can you shed any light on those plans, or is there anything you can give away or, or tell us about at this point? Uh, probably not at the minute. Uh, the The idea was that we were gonna we were gonna come into to challenge cup just as a because we and again it was just a case of us sitting back and taking stock. The idea of us was, was looking at entering to challenge cup would have been uh, to to allow us to still recruit the sort of players that we were already talking to. Yep. Uh, and then the the extra fixtures of the NRL team. I mean, the NRL teams were so keen to come over. It was unbelievable. It was great. That's great. Uh, so, and they, I think they get it a little bit. They, they really buy into it, which is good. Uh, so we were we were really looking forward to, or oh, we are looking forward as it stands, to still having the, the Aussie teams come over. Great. But the only issue we've got at the minute is that Super League don't know when they're going to restart. The Championship clubs and the RFL structures clubs don't know if they're going to restart or not yet. Uh, at least the, NR- the the NRL have now got a, a finished date and an open up to, to finish on, on that date uh, and then play, play the Origin games. So we're, we're working with the NRL teams. If it comes to it that we don't play in Challenge Cup and because of whatever reason because everything gets pushed back and there's going to be no time to play or there's going to be no pre-season before then 
the league's to start up again next season because there's a World Cup to be played at the back end of next year. Nothing can be pushed back beyond the beyond October, uh, which is which I suppose is, is yep. a confusing thing, the complicate the complication yep. uh, for for the organisers and for the for the governing body and fair play to them for for trying to sort that out. Uh, but once they're in a position to be able to tell us what what their expectations are of us, then we can then start to put everything in put in place. We've got a plan that sees us, we've got on team plans now, but we've got a plan that sees us enter challenge scope into 18 match back up, play the friendly games, play the exhibition games. We've got a plan that doesn't include any of that, but we have we still invite the positive teams over to yep. to play to play against each other. There's do we put an American an all American team into the challenge cup? But then does that kind of negate the the positive impact we were hoping to get by entering Challenge Cup? Uh, and there's a couple of the other strategies. I think we've got six strategies so far that are, that are all in, in, in processes in place that we can that we can line up uh, and roll out if we need to. So there's lots of lots of unknowns at the minute. Uh, we probably don't answer the question, but that's that's where we are at the minute. We are in an unknown situation until the Super League get a firm date as to when they're starting and when they're finishing and when the RFL know a firm date when they're restarting Challenge Cup and finishing Challenge Cup then we're not in a position really to be able to start recruiting players or uh, or looking to put events in place because we don't know if we're going to be able to recruit them players we don't know if they're players most players are going to play an extra month on their contracts on their existing contract. So there's so many variables and so many unknowns at the minute that we just need to just sit back and just wait to see what the what the result is. I'm not hoping that's going to be within the next few weeks and then we can announce look, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it and this is where we're going to lead up to this is what we're going to do within the twenty twenty one season and this is how we're going to lead into the twenty twenty two season. Mate, uh, how do you sleep at night with all of these scenarios going around in your head? That is I have insane. A daughter, I have a daughter who doesn't sleep, so <laughs> she's just going up to two, uh, and she doesn't sleep. So, so yeah, it's uh, wait, yeah, it's fun. Wait it's till fun. she turns three, mate. The three age years they're they're difficult. But, uh, <laughs> oh, oh. I think she's already there. <laughs> she's ahead of time, mate. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Tessie, he's curious about how the shares work. Can you explain that and how can how can people buy into the club? Yeah, so the idea behind, I suppose it, it didn't come across well in the article because we had so many people reaching out so, and people saying, look, I've got 100 bucks here, I've got yep. 100 bucks here, and can I, can I buy into the club? So it kind of, kind of came across uh, wrong a little bit, but we're looking at, uh, obviously, a more significant investment uh, than that. Uh, but what we've... What we're looking at doing is we're looking at launching a membership scheme probably within the next couple of weeks, Great. Uh, which is quite exciting, which will enable people to buy into the club a little bit and, and, and get that initial buzz from, from the new team launching. Uh, again, we've been able to step back a little bit and we've been able to restructure and, 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 and from, from, from setting up, we've been able to sit back to a number of people who were given certain percentages when we were first trying to get everything set up, we've been able to sit back and say, look, if we freed up a little bit of your percentage here, then we can bring in this level of investment to free up this amount of percentage and, and look to move forward. Uh, and and fairly to all, all those people who have been involved and those shareholders, we've managed to free up close, we've managed to free up close to 35%. Uh, Wonderful. But that 35% is is quite a significant undertaking and, and, and someone coming in at, at that sort of level would have to undertake quite a heavily investment. Uh, so I wouldn't expect fans initially to be able to buy into shareholding. Yep. Uh, but that's not saying that in future years we don't allocate, we might like, and, and, and in future years we might allocate 5% yep. of, that, of that club ownership to the fans and, and distribute that up into ten thousand shares and, and and see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, similar to what the the Green Bay Packers did, uh, but just on a smaller scale. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then just see see where that goes. Uh, there's certainly different avenues, but it was great that we were again down to the COVID crisis. We were able to sit back and yeah. see where we were, what we were doing, and and what to move forward. And and like I said, structurally, structurally now we're in a lot stronger position than what we were in March, February time. Yeah, well, thanks for clarifying because I read the article and I'm like, oh, what are they floating on the stock market? Like it just, it wasn't yeah. clear. So you've clarified yeah. that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, Ronaldo Neri, so friend of the show, is the vice president of the Filipino Rugby League. He wants to know if you'd consider a tour of the Philippines, maybe a, ga- a game against the national team and their club championship. Sounds like a challenge, mate. You up for it? Is he, is he paying our trip? I'll ask him. <laughs> If he's paying our trip, then it's something we'd definitely consider. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, following the Toronto model, we, we, we're paying everyone else's trip coming over to the US. So, But yeah, if he's if he's keen to work on a, on a relationship, then yeah, we'd be, we'd be happy to work with him. Sounds fair, Ronaldo. Send an email, mate, and uh, start saving. A um, couple, <laughs> couple of short questions. I know we're running out of time. I'll ask a few short ones, and then we'll go into some lo- more sort of future-based questions, but Chris Diamond, he's from Buffalo. He wants to know if you're going to be playing any games there. Uh, nothing on, nothing at the minute, uh, but we do have a clause in our, in our uh, participation plan with the RFL that we can take certain games on the road if we need to. Yep. Uh, so that's not saying definitely no, not never, but as it stands, there was no plans to go to Buffalo, but if there's, if there's sufficient interest, then, then yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd explore it. Uh, Vinny Romeo wants to know, do you have a relationship with uh, or have you spoken to the California Rugby League guys about setting yeah, something up? Yeah, so, so Richard, we were looking at maybe taking a game. He wanted us to go over and ride the beginning of our pre-season. And we, just our, uh, the way our pre-season would be structured probably wouldn't be perfect to it at that stage. Uh, but yeah, for sure, we're looking at but working with, with Richard and moving everything forward that way. A uh, mutual friend of ours, Laurent Garnier. He wants to know if you're missing Perpignan, Ricky. Always, always. <laughs> it's my holiday resort of choice. What did lovely you, city, lovely town. What, what did you learn from your time at Catalan that you're sort of taking uh, with you on this journey? How to swear fluently. <laughs> uh, how to... Uh, how to... How do we do it? How do we word it? How to recruit wisely? I suppose yep. is the is the is the is the right way to look at it. Uh, there are certain aspects that that were that are done really really well over in France, and again, like I said earlier, it's one of those games you go to, and it's just fantastic. There's an ambiance, there's a probably you drink wine in the stands, or everyone's got a beer, and yeah, that's cool. Can sit sit there in your thongs and shorts and just relax and yeah, it's just a, a really nice place in the world and you can go down and relax on the beach in the summer or you can go ski in the winter. Yeah, it's just I can I can understand why it's a massive attraction for players. Uh, for me, I just think the community element they could just do a little bit more. Uh, that's just that's just my opinion. It's only my opinion, uh, and that's probably where. Where our community, that the community element of our business plan was was heavily heavily weighted that way. Yep. Uh, and getting out into schools and, and making sure that the players are visible, that the players are going into schools and and whatnot. Because I just think that's how you grow your fan base. That's how you grow your brand. You need to build that community, mate. Um, yeah. Lamar Henry, he wants to know, and I think a lot of people want to know this one as well. Do you see a long term? vision of maybe a North American league or a, or a, you know, a North American super league with more clubs? What, what do you think the future think, holds? I think so. I think that's the, that's the longer term vision. Uh, and that's where, that's where the Wolfpack and, and Ottawa ourselves, if California put something together, if Boston put something together, then those sort of teams, that's, that's how you build a, that's how you build a league. I think if you've, if you look at everything in the States, so everything's built from the top down, if that makes sense. Yep. If you look at, for example, basketball, uh, you'd use the argument of maybe the Toronto Raptors. I don't think they had one Canadian player in their, in their team last year, but yep. they went on one the comp, but they were still considered Canada's team. Yep. 
but they've been going, what, 30, 30 plus years now. Yep. And they're still only that one team in, in, in the NBA. Uh, so it take it takes a lot and take a lot of work and it's not something you can rush. It's not something you can you can rush at and, and say, look, we're gonna throw a team in here, we're gonna throw a team in there. If you've got the wolf pack of being heavily financed, if you've got Oxford who are gonna be heavily financed, you know, you've got ourselves who are who are working on that, then then you've got then you've got three big teams who are gonna be quite well established. You need a Another couple of teams to maybe play in the UK league, yeah, uh, or in California's case, maybe playing like Q Cup or yep. the New South Wales Cup or something like that, and then they can all start to come together. But mm. there needs to be there needs to be a genuine strategy. I don't think you can just stick a, stick a pin in towns and cities and just hope that they're going to launch a, a North American Super League or. Is it is it up to the Super League to come up with that strategy? Should the NRL come in and do it? Should it com- should is it up to the clubs? Is it up to you guys, or is it someone completely left the field to come up with this strategy? Uh, it's arguably potentially the, the international federation if they want to go into if they want to grow into America. Yep. That they were looking at doing anyway with the World Cup. Yep. Then then arguably the the international federation has to have a say in it. Uh, I think the North American teams need to need to work together on it, uh, and that's certainly the way forward, in my opinion. You just need to. I'm one of these people. I have to. I like to meet people face to face. Yeah. I'll pick up a phone. I don't do things over an email. Yeah. We need to. We need to sit down and, and, and over over a couple of days work out what the longer term strategy is. I don't. I don't think that's the RFL's domain or, or Super League's domain. I think it needs to be people in the States and people in America who, are, who, are, who have got a vested interest in growing the game. But again, I'm not sure it happens in the next four or five years. I think it's a longer term thing where yep. after the development work that we're going to put in, after hopefully the development work that Ottawa and, and Toronto are hopefully going to do up there, you can start generating a, a, a generation of players. Yep. And then from that, you've got a player base that you can then dip into and and start to raise squads and and, and put something in place. But until you've got that player pool, it's all well and good saying, oh, well, we can find ex-NFL players or players who don't make the NFL or college football at all. But they've been brought playing college football or NFL or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. We need to develop that. that we need to work on a strategy of how we're going to grow a player pool in North America. I think it's, once that's decided, once that's decided upon, yeah. then you can look to put, then you can look to put something in place for a league or competition or, or whatnot. It's every expansionist dream, you know, the American dream there. So that could oh, be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charles wants to know, and this is my final question, mate. Uh, okay. We have the Yankees and the Mets. We have the Giants and the Jets. The Rangers and the Islanders. We have the Knicks and the Nets. So if New York Rugby League is successful. Do you see a need for a derby for a second New York team in the future? Potentially, potentially. Uh, again, I think you're, you're looking further down the line and, and probably medium to longer term. Uh, you, the teams that you've listed there, they're coming from a massive US heritage, you know, and and, the, and their supporters play those sports in schools and outside on a weekend and whatever else we're bringing in pretty much an alien sport into the competition uh, and into the market so I'd be wary about another team coming in straight away yep. because if you're building a fan base you don't want to then instantly half that while one, while one set of fans or half your, half your fans stay with you half your fans go to another team yep you need to build a fan base, and you need to build a uh, you need to build an interest, an interest level, and 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 whatnot. I think that's I think that's the way. I think if, you, if you're going to put another team in New York, you've got to look medium to longer term. Uh, but I would definitely come, I'd definitely be behind it and, and work with them, and, and and obviously similar to like what we did with the Wolfpack, and they could use us as a case study and, yeah. and work out what we did right, and what we did wrong. 
made it some it's taken us more than 30 years and we're only now starting to talk about a second brisbane team over here so a second new york team might be a little a little a little further off i'd suggest but yeah. mate um we have gone over time so i want to thank you for your time uh apologies to those who didn't get their question asked there was uh there was plenty of questions and i think we had a record mate so i had to narrow it down and you know we still missed out on a few but uh, Ricky, before we do go, is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners that I may have missed out on, or do you want to let them know how they can follow along and support what you guys are doing yeah, and trying so to do? Obviously, we're we're out on our on our social media platforms now, so we're out on the usual ones: so Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, we've got the website up and running, but the memberships will be on sale very soon. Uh, but what we'll do for you uh, and for the podcast is we'll give you one of our training jerseys with the Hilton logo on the front and we'll give that away to our, as a competition prize for you as well. So that uh, That is sensational, mate. That sounds fantastic. Well, Ricky, hopefully we – I'm sure we'll speak again on uh, during your journey yeah. towards Super League, League One. But, uh, mate, thank you very much for your time and thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. Thank you very much.